in Timothy chapter 4. Open to two different spots there. And uh, we'll kind of pick up and uh, attach these two just a little bit here uh, as we jump in. Thank you for the song. I wish I could play the piano like that, but uh, very beautiful, and uh, praise the Lord for it. Thank you for your faithfulness also today and being here for the second service, and uh, praise the Lord for that. When the idea of having an afternoon service uh, came up today, I thought uh, I did realize that it was Super Bowl Sunday. I thought, you know, I can either preach to uh, some people in the afternoon who might for a few moments give their heart and their mind uh, to the Word of God, or I can preach to about 80% of the people that are thinking, don't check the score. Don't check the score. And uh, so I thought, man, this would be great. I can still have your heart just a little bit on the day that the Chiefs are playing. And uh, praise the Lord for that. So uh, I will be done just a little bit before the Super Bowl gets started. You'll have time to get home before 5.30. And uh, so don't watch the clock. I'll do that for you. And uh, we'll just jump right in. And uh, praise the Lord for that. Acts chapter 20. And uh, we'll begin in verse number, we're just going to look at one verse here. Uh, Verse number 24, uh, contextually here, Paul has just been warned about not going into Jerusalem because it could cost him his life. And so this is uh, part of Paul's response to that. In verse number 24 of uh, Acts chapter 20, he says, But none of these things move me, neither can I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Father, I pray that you would bless as we study your word today. pray that you give exactly what we need. <coughs> In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, please do forgive the coughing. Had the flu last week. I'm completely uh, past all of that. Not contagious, but I just can't get rid of the cough. It just keeps lingering around. Um, Acts chapter 20 here, we find uh, the Apostle Paul We're really just going to look at kind of one phrase here in this response as he is uh, dealing with the fact that he's willing, if it costs him his life, to go forward. He's just going to be faithful to the Lord. He's going to keep going. And uh, and he's in the middle of uh, still obviously moving forward. He still has uh, the energy, the anticipation of serving God and doing uh, things for the Lord, planning churches. He's not at all at the point where he is quitting or where he is giving up. And uh, so at this point in his life, really in his estimation, not that near to the end necessarily, notice what he says in the middle of the verse. He says, uh, so that I might finish my course with joy. It's interesting, the Apostle Paul is constantly looking at, how am I going to finish? How am I going to finish? How am I going to get to the end? How am I going to arrive when I come to that final point of life and ministry? And here we find him just kind of in the course of life. We find him uh, facing some trials and facing some warnings and all those things and saying, nothing's going to deter me. I just want to make sure I finish the course right. And if finishing the course right means it costs me my life early, that's okay. And if finishing the course right means that I end up in prison, that's okay. And if finishing the course right means I go through some trials and tribulations and problems, I'm okay with that because I'm really not worried about the course, but I'm worried about how I finish the course. I'm worried about finishing faithfully and finishing in a manner that pleases the Lord. And uh, I've titled this message, I Know Where We Are, But Where Do We Go From Here? And that's really kind of uh, where a church is anytime there's a, a pastoral change and a change like this, a time of transition like this. Uh, as a church, you say, okay, I know where we are. I know where we stand on things. I know where we have uh, been in the past. I know where things are. 
But now somebody's coming in we don't know. And we don't know everything about uh, our new pastor. We don't know everything about uh, the plan. And questions have been asked and conversations have been had. But the reality is uh, you really don't get to know somebody until you've known them for a while. And uh, I know uh, as far as hiring and things like that, they say it takes about a year to really figure out. Uh, six months, you know, if they're going to be a good employee, a year before they really become uh, fully productive and things like that. If you read after uh, some of these uh, church growth type people that uh, do studies and all that kind of stuff, they say it takes about two years for a pastor to really learn to love the people. And, uh, and there's a, a love that's there initially, but just as far as walking through some things together and uh, going through things with the people, it takes the people of the church about uh, four to six years or longer to learn to love the pastor. And some of that is that that uh, enough people have to go through enough trials that the pastor can be there and help them and uh, be a blessing in a time where they just need an encouraging word or whatever it might be. And, and it just takes some time. And so when you're at the beginning of that, especially the very first Sunday, you look at it, you say, all right, we love each other. There's, uh, there's already a relationship here, but certainly not what it will be five or six years from now. And so we know where we are, but now where are we going? And over the course of the next years, over the course of the next uh, of the future of our church, what's our direction? Where are we heading? And and how are we going to get there? And really, what we're doing, <coughs> pardon me, really what we're doing is saying, uh, how are we going to finish the course? Where are we? Where are we heading? We want to be like Paul. And I think probably all of us would have that desire as a church. We want to be like Paul. We want to finish well. We want to run the race uh, with patience. We want to finish the course in the right manner. We want to make sure we don't just start well. And we're not just doing well in the middle, but all the way to the end. And at least the time that uh, we're alive, that we have influence in this church, we want it to keep moving forward for the faith of the gospel. Uh, we're certainly striving together, but also making sure we're going a right biblical type of a direction. And, and so we find Paul here kind of in the middle of his life saying this. I want to make sure I finish my course. Now we'll spend the rest of the time over in 2 Timothy, if you're there also. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 7, now we find the Apostle Paul at the end of his life. He's been in prison now for a little while. The warnings came true, of course, and he recognizes that time is running out. He really is sitting under, uh, some have said it this way, under the shadow of the headsman's act. The Apostle Paul is at the point where uh, life is coming to a close. The twilight hours have arrived. And he's pinning this final letter to Timothy. And he's letting him know how much he loves him. He's encouraging him in some things. And in the course of this letter, <coughs> 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 7, Paul says, and in fact, let's back up to verse number 6. He says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. And here's the verse, I have fought a good fight. It's now past tense. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Earlier in his life, he's saying, I want to finish my course. I want to make sure I get there. And now he sits at the end of his life looking back saying, I did it. I finished the course. I was faithful to the end. I served the Lord. I, I held to the truths of the Word of God. And as I read this, and as you put these couple of thoughts together, same thought, really, two different times of life for the Apostle Paul, I couldn't help but ask this question, why did Paul write this to Timothy? Why is this part of his final letter? <coughs> is, is he writing to him to say, uh, hey, Timothy, I want to make sure that you and down through the ages as people read this, he knew he was writing the inspired word of God. I just want to make sure everybody knows I did well. I don't think that's it. 
He's not writing this for his own glory. He's not saying, I want to make sure that it's recorded for world history or biblical world history. I want to make sure everybody in every church knows that I did a good job. So why is it here? What is the point of saying, hey, uh, Timothy, I've finished this course and I've, I've done what I set out to do. And Paul here, of course, uh, writing from this time where the, uh, the curtain of life is closing. Why, Timothy? Why now? Why this message uh, is he writing it? And I believe that uh, we can see some of that. Paul's not, uh, again, being prideful. But Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, there are some things worth continuing in. There are some things worth being faithful to. And Timothy, of course, the younger pastor, he's at the place where Paul used to be, where there was time. He's at the place where Paul used to be. Hey, Timothy, uh, uh, there was a day where I wanted to finish my course. Now I've finished it. Timothy, you haven't finished yours yet. So Timothy, let me encourage you. There's some things you need to stay in there and stay in the battle and keep going. And one day it'll be worth it and you'll be able to look back and say, I finished my course. So I want you to notice with me four areas this afternoon. (coughs) Pardon me. That Paul, you know, that really sounds good on the recording, too. If you go back and listen to it later, it just really helps that. I want you to notice four areas that Paul reminds Timothy to continue in. First of all, I notice here uh, that he says, I have fought a good fight. I see a continued fight. And uh, really, just kind of today, uh, both messages, but especially this message, I just want to kind of lay out uh, a directional type of a message. Where are we going? What is, uh, what is the course that we are charting? And, uh, and so let me just give you some fights that I believe we need to keep on fighting. Number one is a fight for souls. And that's a fight against the devil. The Bible tells us that the devil is doing all that he can to blind the minds of people. And he's trying to make it so that they don't understand their need of a Savior, that they uh, really can't even comprehend the gospel. And I think if you look around our culture, certainly in the United States of America, you see a great blinding of eyes. Uh, Some of the things that people believe, some of the things that they hold to, and, and that they even hold to thinking they are right and righteous and holding to those positions. And I look at them and I think, how in the world can you hold to that? And how in the world could you even try to use the Bible to make a biblical argument about something that is exactly contrary to the Word of God? Yet we live in a culture where eyes and minds are being blinded. And so we are, as a church, consistently fighting a fight for souls, and that's a fight against the devil. But then there's also a fight for sanctification. And that's a fight against the flesh. And we've spent souls. So I'm going to move past that just a little bit. We've already dealt there some today. Uh, But then there's this fight for sanctification. That is that we want to live a life that is set apart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, A life and we want to make sure as a church that we are a people that uh, are distinctively different. Amen. It doesn't mean that we do everything we do just to be seen and and there's balance in that. But certainly we want to be different from the world. We don't want to uh, look and act and and sound just like the world. And there's danger when a Christian uh, begins to try to be too much like the world to try to reach the world. And that really is never the goal. And so we want to fight the fight of sanctification personally, making sure that we are set apart for the use of the master. Man, our flesh jumps up, doesn't it, when we start doing that. You tell your flesh no, and it'll battle about as hard as anything. And one of the great fights of the Christian life, it's not the fight against the world, it's the fight against me. Uh, I believe it was uh, D.L. Moody that said, my greatest enemy is the man who walks under my hat. 
and uh, the, the great battle that we have just against our flesh that so desires to rise up and so desires to rule our life. And uh, again, it's an area, as we saw this morning, we're struggling along together because all of us have a flesh that wants to jump in. And we all find ourselves in Romans 7, the things I don't want to do, I end up doing, and the things I want to do, I can't do. And, and I'm trying to live right, but I'm just not able to do it. And, and we want to get to Romans 8, but some days we just live Romans 7, don't we? And so here we are, we're fighting this fight, and, and as a church, we want to be able to fight the fight for souls, but we don't stop there. It's a fight for sanctification, personal separation, living a life pleasing to God, a fight of sanctification. Then there's the fight of separation as a church. That's a fight against compromise. Uh, this isn't the time to go and bring in a new Bible, Amen. I mean, we're just going to stick to the King James Bible. We're just going to keep being faithful. We're just going to keep doing what we've been doing. We're just going to keep going the direction we've been going. It's a fight for separation and uh, the fight against compromise. And certainly we live in a world that is saying, hey, you don't need to hold to such a high standard. You don't need to be so different. I mean, come on, you're 20th or 21st, whatever it is, century church. I mean, just kind of calm down on all that. And you know, it's really not about just holding, and, and I do think in the past, some of uh, our type of churches have made a mistake of becoming pharisaical in that uh, we have become so about the standards because we're pleasing men with the standards. But you know, it's really, it's about living a life that is pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ as we saw a little while ago. So that's really what we're talking about here. And saying, I'm not going to uh, let down. I'm not going to compromise. I'm just going to keep holding to the Word of God, and I'm going to keep living the Word of God, and we're going to keep good music, and we're going to keep a right direction. And, and the fight for separation is a fight against compromise. Then I see a fight for sweetness. And those two have to go together, don't they? Because sometimes we fight separation against compromise, and then if we're not careful, we become mean, crusty, bitter people that are just fighting for it's got to be this way because this is the way it's always been. So we got to fight for sweetness <laughs> because we don't naturally keep a sweet attitude. And I don't know why, but independent Baptists have more of a problem with that than anybody, it seems like. <laughs> and we don't have to let our standards down to have a sweet spirit. <laughs> and so the fight for sweetness, uh, that's the fight against carnality. Because when we become a certain way and, and we live a certain way, then it's so easy to become carnal and think I'm good because of what I do instead of because of who I am in Christ. And, and that somebody else who might come and not have the same standard that I have, we can still coexist and we can still serve the Lord together. And uh, we can still, uh, you know, somebody who comes in and they're a brand new Christian and, and they do things that are worldly, that's okay. We'll give them some time to grow. Because we're just going to have a sweet spirit. And we don't expect them to figure it all out day one or day four. Amen? And we're giving them time and we're being sweet and gentle. And, and so if we're going to fight for sweetness, then we have to fight against bitterness. Oh, how easy bitterness creeps into our church. How easy it is for bitterness to creep into our heart. And, and something that somebody says or something that is done. And all of a sudden there's a bitterness that begins to dwell there. The Bible tells us about that bitterness. There's a root of bitterness that, that'll trip us up, amen? And we're supposed to be cautious about that, but we can't just root it out all the time. It's, it's there, so we've got to recognize, hey, there are some things that are in our life that if we allow it to spring up a little bit, it's going to trip us, it's going to destroy us, but, but we can't make it go away. That memory is going to be there. That situation's going to be there. It's like a root in the ground. And so what we've got to do is if it starts to spring up, we've got to deal with it biblically and get it taken care of again. Some of those roots, we can't get rid of the memory. 
We just have to battle against the bitterness that tries to come and battle to keep a sweet spirit uh, before the Lord and, and to walk with him. So we fight bitterness. And then uh, this, this fight for sweetness means we have to fight against a critical spirit. Sometimes it's not bitterness that makes us uh, become harsh and mean. Sometimes it's just a critical spirit. Isn't it easy to see what other people do wrong? (laughs) Maybe some of you don't think it is, but I think it is. (laughs) It's a lot easier to see what you do wrong than it is to admit what I do wrong. Now, sometimes I see what I do wrong, but I can justify it pretty quickly. But, But the reality of it is, it's more fun, too, to see what you do wrong than to admit what I do wrong. And it's really easy to get that spirit creeping in and go, oh, did you see? No, hold on. We've got to battle the critical spirit. We've got to say, I'm not going to become a critical person. I'm going to instead choose to to nitpick the good things people do instead of nitpicking the bad. Because you know we have to do one or the other. And the reality is sometimes we miss all the, the positives. We miss the good things somebody does because we're so busy nitpicking the bad. But the reality is if we'll nitpick the good, sometimes we can encourage them enough and they'll grow and the bad things just kind of take care of themselves. Again, I'm not talking about compromising the Bible. But I'm talking about where somebody has a a flaw in their personality, at least in my opinion or your opinion, and, and they just don't really seem like somebody that there's just a smooth connection. I mean, we just knock heads a little with them. You ever have somebody like that? I think no matter what our personality is, there's a personality that we just don't click with. So what do we do? We go, well, I'll tell you about them, at least in our mind. (laughs) So we've got to fight that because we can't have a sweet spirit if we have a critical spirit. We can't have a sweet spirit if we have a bitter spirit. We can't have a sweet spirit if there's discord in the body. And so we have to battle against that. We've got to battle to keep unity in the body of Christ, battle to make sure that there's a right spirit. So we fight for sweetness against carnality. We fight for separation against compromise. We fight for sanctification against the flesh. We fight for souls against the devil. (coughs) Finally, and this I think is maybe one of the ones we struggle the most, we have to fight to serve. And that's a fight against busyness. Oh, that's a challenge, isn't it? I mean, I don't know about you, but I think probably most of us, we're Americans. We have a cell phone that uh, it's constant. It's like an electronic leash. Everybody can get a hold of you. They can ask you to do stuff. All of a sudden, things that you used to wait until Monday morning when you got to work to find out it was sitting on your desk, now you find out Sunday afternoon that you've got to do that tomorrow when you get to work, and it's already on your brain, and there's already things happening. And I mean, life is so fast-paced. Life's so fast-paced, it's frustrating when you have to put something in the microwave for a whole minute instead of 30 seconds. I mean, we just, it's, it's hurry, hurry, go, go, get to the next thing all the time. But you know what happens is all of a sudden we start rushing through life and we forget to just slow down and serve our Savior. And, and we, we get to the place where we say, yeah, I'd love to serve in that, but I'm so busy with this. We have to come back to having a focus on serving Christ. And so... This means we have to fight to clear out time on our schedules to serve the Lord. Uh, we've got to get it in the calendar. Things that get scheduled get done. We need to schedule uh, the time of serving the Lord. We have to fight to keep biblical balance in our life. Making sure we don't get out of balance in any area. Fighting the distractions of the world. Just It's a constant battle against busyness. So you say, Pastor, where are we going? I know where we are, but, but where are we going? Number one, we're going to continue to fight. 
and continue to fight in the right areas, not fighting each other, but fighting to make sure we're keeping a right spirit and fighting to make sure that we are moving together and fighting to make sure that we hold to the truths of the word of God and then fighting to serve. Number one, there's a fight that we must, uh, a, a continued fight. Secondly, there is a course to finish. Notice Paul says here, I've fought a good fight. I have finished my course. The goal is to maintain a steady course. I've already said it, but now's not the time to bring in uh, a new Bible and say, well, uh, let's make a change. By the way, 20 years from now isn't that time either. Amen? It's just the time to hold to the Word of God and say, hey, we don't need something new. We already have something proven. And so we're just going to hold to the Bible. We're going to hold the King James Bible. We're just going to keep preaching it and keep teaching it and keep going in it. And and we're just going to be faithful with it. We're just going to keep moving forward. And we aren't looking for some new thing to come along. We're just looking to be faithful to the same old word, the same old book. Just keep preaching. Just keep going. Just keep being faithful. Just continuing the course. It's not the time to bring in a rock band and try to entertain the world. Amen? We're not trying to entertain the world. We're trying to evangelize the world. We're not trying to become like them so that we can help them have fun. Uh, We're trying to go tell them, hey, there's an eternity, and if you don't trust Christ as your Savior, you'll die and go to hell forever and ever. And the most important thing is you come to know Christ. And by the way, it doesn't look like everything you've always had. And there is a difference. And, And it's not just that we're just with an entertaining message. We're with a message that is valuable for all of eternity. It's a time to say, hey, let's maintain the course on some things. And, and I just want to say, the goal is not to come in. I'll have some preferences that are a little different, I'm sure. And uh, then, then I'll have some processes of ways I do things that are a little different. And I'll have some uh, personality quirks that you'll go, man, we have a weird pastor now. And uh, we used to have normal, now we have weird. And uh, you'll, you'll see things and you'll say, I don't know why he does it that way. And, and sometimes it's just because I've done it that way for a while. And sometimes I'll say, I don't know, I just thought the world Lord wanted us to try it. I didn't know if it'd work either. And uh, we'll just go and try things and move forward. It's exciting. But hey, the things that are biblical, the things that are important uh, truths of the Word of God, we're not changing it. We're just going to continue. There's a course to continue. It doesn't mean there can't be variance in how we uh, move forward or, or preferential things and stuff like that. And, but what it does mean is this. It means we're not changing what we believe about the Word of God. We're not changing how we do ministry. We're not changing the, uh, the goals of uh, the Word of God and the truth. We're just going to try to make sure we're a biblical church and keep on the right course. There's a course that just needs to be finished. So there's a continued fight. There's a course to finish. Then number three, there's a consistent faith. I've kept the faith, he said. It's a consistent faith. Paul didn't say, hey, I found something new to believe every couple of years. I just kept on. I kept it. There was consistency to it. So I see here that Paul in this, I believe that Paul could have said, I still stand where I've always stood. I still believe the same things I've always believed. I think somewhere along the line, in fact, if you look at his ministry, you can see this very clearly. There were areas where he did things differently. There were some towns he came into and he approached the people different than he did other places. He didn't go up to every single person that he ever saw and say, I declare to you the unknown God. But he did on Mars Hill. Uh, Hey, I see you've got a place over here for the unknown God. Let me tell you who that is. He was wise about it. He didn't have the same approach. He didn't do everything the same way in every different setting. But you know what he did do? He had the same faith. He just kept the faith. 
He was faithful. He was consistent. He just stood where he'd always stood. Secondly, Paul loved people like he'd always loved people. He just kept on loving people. He just kept on uh, being sold out to reaching people and helping people and encouraging people. And even here at the end of his life, he's writing a letter to Timothy to say, Hey, Timothy, uh, at the end of my life, I'm thinking about you. Hey, my son in the faith, be faithful. My son in the faith, I, I just want to encourage you. And even as Paul is facing the moment of losing his head, he's just encouraging others. He's loving people. He's loving people like he always has. He's standing where he's always stood. Uh, Paul still won souls just like he always had. Isn't it incredible to think about all of, the, uh, of Nero's household having heard the gospel because of those people that got chained, those soldiers that got chained to Paul? Can you imagine being chained to Paul for eight hours a day? <laughs> And he, I mean, Paul says, hey, you thought you had me captive, huh, buddy? <laughs> You're the one who's stuck here for eight hours. And Paul said, this is great. They give me two guards, eight hours each. I get to tell them the gospel for eight hours. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the gospel started spreading, even through Nero's house. What an incredible reality. What an incredible moving of the gospel. Because he just kept winning souls, just like he always had. Paul still worked, just like he always had. He's still writing letters. He's still giving the gospel. He's still being, I mean, he's just laboring. He's just being faithful. He's just keeping on, keeping on. He's not doing really anything too different. He's just consistent all the way to the end. And I just want to say as a church, we just want to have a consistent faith. We're not looking and, and as we come in, we're not coming in saying, well, you know, we just got to get in here and just change everything. Oh, there will, uh, like I said, there will probably be some things. And, and, and you say, why do you keep saying this? Because the first time I make a decision different than something you've seen before, I don't want you to say, you said you'd never change anything. Uh, no, I'm saying as far as biblical truth, though, <laughs> we're just holding to the word of God. We're not trying to change. We're not trying to figure out how do we become more attractive to the world. We are trying to figure out how to reach them with the gospel. We're not trying to figure out how to become more attractive to the world. We're trying to figure out how do we bring God more glory. Here is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. We want to reach the world, but that's the reason. There's a consistent faith. Then number four, finally, a crown that is furnished. Look down in verse number eight. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. <coughs> then notice, not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. First of all, this crown is available to all. Isn't it exciting to know God has crowns that we can win? And, and you know, some, I've heard people say, well, we shouldn't do what we do just to try to win a crown. That's selfish. No, God told us about them, so we try to win them. Amen? <laughs> he knows how we work. He made us. So he knows. We need some motivation sometimes. And sometimes I said so, just didn't enough. So he said, hey, I'll give you crowns if you'll do this. But not just that, I think it's pretty clear if you study Revelation, we get to win these crowns, not for our glory in eternity, but so we have something to cast at his feet. That's the, th the, the goal. And the, the drive of it is, I don't want to come in empty-handed before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and say, well, I just wasted my time, I have nothing to offer. I want to have some crowns, I want to have a lot of crowns to put down there, amen? And, and we ought to be driven by that. We ought to be driven to say, I want to make sure I win the crown. How do I win the crown? It's available to all them that love his appearing. How do we love his, his appearing? We prepare for it. You know, there's going to be a lot of Christians that are going to stand at the judgment seat, and they're going to go, 
man, I'm really not ready. I wish I had some more time. They don't love his appearing. They're going to be standing there saying, I wish I could go get ready for his appearing. But when we can come, and I don't think anybody's just going to come up and say, oh, yep, I'm ready for this. (laughs) I think there'll be some fear and intrepidation. But as we come, if we can come with some confidence, knowing I've done what he gave me to do, I've finished my course, I've been faithful to the Lord, I've kept the faith, I've fought the fight, I've done what he gave me to do, I ran that course well. And it's not that I'm perfect, and it's not that I I have everything all figured out, it's not that there's no concern at the moment, but I, I sure am excited to see my Savior. Oh, what a day to be able to say, I'm so glad that you're here. Instead of at least at a heart level saying, I just wish you'd have waited a little longer. All those that are ready, all those that love his appearing. So the question this morning or this afternoon is, are you ready? Are you ready for the judgment seat? Are you living every day looking at that moment saying, hey, I've only got so much time and that I'm going to stand there. And I want to be able to stand there loving his appearing, not wishing I had more time. I see that it's available to all. But not only is it available to all, it's achievable for all. You know, sometimes something's available, but it's really out of my reach. I mean, uh, playing in the NBA, it's available to everybody, if you're good enough. But I'm never going to play in the NBA because that's a little out of my reach. So it may be available to anybody in America who can qualify, but the qualifier, it's not achievable for me or probably for most of us in here. But here, God says, yes, you have to qualify. There's a qualifier. You've got to love his appearing. But that's achievable for everybody. Every Christian can prepare for the judgment seat. Every Christian can be ready for that day. Every Christian can make preparation now. We can all be ready. So it's not only available, but the even better news is it's achievable for you. So it's available to you. It's achievable to you. And then finally, it is awarded, though, by God. Can you imagine having Jesus with those uh, nail-pierced hands reach out and say, here's the crown that you've earned. You've won it, and I've prepared it for you. What an incredible moment. It's almost, I I can't really fathom it. Amen? I don't know what it'll be like, and and I hope I get a crown because I want to know what it's like, and so I'm trying to prepare, but I want to know what it's like to see the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords say, well done. Hey, you don't just get to come in. You did well. You ran the race. And here's a crown that's prepared for you. What a day. But you know, all of us can see that. All of us can experience that. We just have to be preparing now. We do that by saying, hey, we're just going to be faithful. We're going to finish the course. We're going to maintain. We're going to keep on fighting that fight. We're going to have that consistent faith. We're going to prepare for that day, and we're going to make sure that we are doing everything God has called and asked and demanded of us to do because there is a crown that's going to be furnished, and we want to win the crown on that day. Why is all this being said to Timothy now? Paul writes all this to him. About to die, he writes it to this young man. Here's what I think he's saying. Timothy, there's a fight that you must continue. Hey, Timothy, I'm passing off the scenes. Timothy, my time's about done. Timothy, here's what I did do in my life that I did well. 
There's some areas that I finished well. There's some things that I kept doing. Now I'm passing them on to you, Timothy. Timothy, there's a fight you must continue. You can only do that if you stay on the right course. So Timothy, you have to have to stay on the right course all the way to the finish. And that's only going to be able to happen if you have a consistent faith. Because if your faith isn't consistent, you'll get off course. And if you get off course, then you're not going to continue the fight right. So Timothy, there's a fight, but it requires that you be faithful on the right course. It requires that you maintain the faith, that you're consistent in the faith. And Timothy, if you'll do it like I've done it, if you'll fight right, if you'll finish right, if you'll have the right faith, there is a crown that you can win. And so he's saying to him, hey, Timothy, I'm not writing this so down through the ages they know how good I did. Timothy, I'm writing this because I'm encouraging you to do it. Timothy, I'm writing this because you need to know as a young man who's about to step in. Timothy, I'm passing off the scenes, but as Paul passes off the scenes, all that does is create a need for more people like Paul. People that'll jump in, people that'll serve. He's saying, Timothy, now is the time for you to jump in. You need to lead. You need to go. You need to jump on board. You need to be a part of going forward for the cause of Christ. And for us today, Paul reminds us as a church that we don't need a new course and we don't need a new direction. We don't need a new faith or a new motivation. We simply need to continue as we strive together for the faith of the gospel. We just need to press forward. We just need to struggle forward together. We need to make sure that we say, hey, uh, we're not looking for some entertainment. We're not looking for something new. We're just satisfied with a relationship with Christ and the word of God. And so let's take those and just move forward with joy and excitement. And let's serve on a level we never have before. Because Timothy's in a time of transition, as Paul writes this. Paul has been his spiritual father. Paul is his leader. And now Paul is about to step off of the scene into glory. And in a time of transition, he says, Timothy, here's what you need to do. Come through the transition, being faithful, doing the same things. Whatever things that you've uh, learned and heard and seen in me, do. And the God of peace will be with you. You know what I think Paul would say to us as a church as we come through a time of transition? Don't look to change everything. Don't look for a new way of doing it. Just continue. Be faithful. Just press forward. Just keep sticking to the old book. Just keep singing the songs. Just keep pressing forward. Just be faithful in the things that you've learned and heard and seen. And just keep doing what you know you're supposed to do. Oh, there may be some slight changes or differences or personality uh, things or whatever, but, but none of the things that are this level importance. These things we hold to. These things, the things which we've been taught, the things which we've learned and heard and seen uh, from the word of God, we're just going to continue. And when we do that, we're preparing for a crown. Not a crown given by a pastor. A crown given by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's what it's all about. So we know where we are. Where are we going? We're going the same place we've always been going. Preparing for the judgment seat, serving the Savior, pressing forward, same faith, same Bible, just going forward for the cause of Christ. Question, are you continuing to fight for souls, sanctification, separation? Are you continuing the fight today? Secondly, are you on the right course to finish? If you finish out your life on the course you're on now, will you be in the right place 
when you get to the end? Are you on the right course? How consistent is your faith? Is it easily shaken or is it solid? Is it consistent? And then are you preparing for crowning day? Are you preparing for the day that you see your Savior face to face? Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the joy and the opportunity that we have to be able to serve you. I pray now that you would help us not to change everything, but rather that we would continue faithful. And Lord, that really is where we're going. We're not looking to be entertaining. We're looking to evangelize a world that's lost, dying, and in need of salvation. Lord, would you help us to bring you glory in each and everything that we do? In Jesus' name I pray. Heads about, eyes are closed.